0: Hello, everybody, and welcome. (laughs) Yeah, it's hot here, that's why this is happening. The air's not working, so you can join us on video and feel our pain. Um, Although on the upside, it's like February 9th, (laughs) and I'm sure this is the only part of the country that's doing this right now. So you probably don't feel very bad for us if you're watching my video, but, yeah, I am in a breezeway, but it's not working. I was good till I started singing and playing and all that stuff. The uh, Acts chapter 4 is where we're at this week. Our study, uh, currently we're working through the entire New Testament, a chapter at a time. We've done uh, Matthew, Mark, we did John, then we did Luke. We took them out of order so we could do Luke and Acts together. Um, And early this year we started in the book of Acts. Let me pause and say, as I realized that I wasn't here last week, thank you to... uh, First off, for Fran for taking care of last Wednesday night. He's upstairs with the youth now, but I heard he did a really good job. And then, uh, Barry, thank you for doing this weekend. God bless you guys. I was up last Wednesday at our little satellite church in Ocala. Um, and uh, I keep meaning to get some pictures up for you. They're, uh, they're doing good. We finally have a facility up there right on the highway, right on 27. Uh, it's really neat to drive by. After going up there for five years pretty regularly and helping get that thing going and praying and, and all the stuff that goes into getting a group like that started, and then to, uh, to drive by this time uh, on the highway and to see a, a facility with big vineyard sign uh, lighted, it's a lighted sign on the highway on 27, um, was very cool. And uh, they started a meeting there. They've had their first Sunday in there, and um, they're, they're meeting again this weekend, they really haven't started inviting people yet, except their regular group. They're running through the process to get the feel down, but very soon they'll they'll uh, start inviting people that have been telling them for a long time they're going to come, and we'll we'll see what happens it will go from there. But it was very cool. That's where I was last Wednesday. I got to share with that group and share with them our uh, the vision that we have and the new mission statement. Uh, so they got that fresh. And our our of course, if you if you weren't here uh, two weekends ago when I preached, you heard about it this Sunday. But we. We sort of condensed our mission statement and our new mission statement is now one more. And uh, what does that mean? One more into the kingdom, one more to Jesus, one more lost child to dad, whatever. But that's what we're all about. And we'll be talking about that uh, starting this weekend and, and defining that a little better. But remember the hand sign. One more. Remember all the other hand signs. Be thankful for five things every day. That's how we love God. Encourage two people. That's how we love others. So that one more and find their way to dad, okay? So we'll be talking about that in 2 Corinthians 5, 21. That kind of worked out pretty well, didn't it? But we're in Acts chapter 4. I digress. Um, Luke is the writer of the books. Uh, He's writing to Theophilus, which means... You'll know that if you know nothing else when we're done with these books. You'll remember that. He's writing to Theophilus... Who, whose name means lover of God, which extends on to us as lovers of God. We get to um, hear what's happening and, and see what's happening as well. Um, Luke, in, in his gospel, recounts for us, you know, from way the beginning of Jesus' ministry, you know, early on historically accounts for it, all through his ministry, through um, crucifixion and uh, resurrection. And then uh, as we move into Acts, we see Jesus' ascension, in chapter 1, the Holy Spirit poured out in chapter 2. And then in chapter 3, when we looked at that, the, um, the disciples are now, the apostles are now out being the church and going to be the church. And, ooh, I look at, I see a fan. <laughs> Jesus really loves me. Um, and so to who's ever making that happen, thank you. Um, so the... Uh, uh, Anybody got a sweater? No. (laughs) Let's just sit for a moment. Yeah. (laughs) Hmm. I'm feeling, you know. Okay, I'm moving on. So, Acts chapter 3. Peter and John are out and they see, remember the crippled beggar by the gate beautiful. And that he had been, uh, they had been taking this guy and sticking him by this gate for his entire life. He was in his 40s, and we'll see that scripture in this verse. And he's he's begging for money. Peter and John come by, and uh, he he looks at them and he's thinking they're going to give him some money, but he, they don't give him money. Instead, they pray for him, and he's healed, and he starts jumping around. And I said, you know, and he and he won't let go of Peter and John. And I, you know, the picture I can just see him hanging onto them and jumping around I'm like, look, 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 and it causes quite a commotion, as you can imagine. And this crowd gathers, and Peter, I love Peter, sees an opportunity to preach. He lays out another amazing message by the power of the Spirit, and more people repent and believe and are added to the church. So so that's been happening. And then in Acts chapter 4, we're still dealing with the fallout of Acts chapter 3 and what's taking place. Remember the, the rulers, the elders, the chief priests, They thought they had put this thing to rest when they crucified Jesus. And now here we're fifty days plus. You know, we're not it's a couple of months have transpired and here comes all this fuss again. And here comes the miracles again. See, and they they knew the miracles were real with Jesus, but they didn't want to do it. That way, that's not their paradigm. That wasn't. It didn't work for them, so they rejected Jesus. They, re, they rejected the one that God sent for them, and they thought. And so doing, they had secured then their places once again, and they would keep things status quo. And now, just two months later, here it comes. Here comes the miracles again. Here here it comes, all in Jesus' name, and they they don't. So they're going to try and nip this one in the bud, as well. And that's sort of the setup for Acts chapter four, verse uh, uh, thirty-seven verses. And uh, so I feel really guilty sitting in front of that fan right now. We should probably make it spin so I can share it. Make it rotate so everybody gets a little. Can you do that? No, it's okay. I I just don't, I'm like, yeah, but still it's not right. And Annette, it's much cooler up here, hon, if you're, if you're still dying. Come on, you're okay. Come on right up front. A- anybody else, if you're really hot, it's like, this is the place to be. You're welcome. It, it'll, it'll blow on you in a minute. See, I should have had that fan spinning when we did Acts chapter two. <laughs> Never mind. That didn't work very well. Okay, now. All right, so Acts 4, 37 verses, beginning in verse 1. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed. And the number of them grew to about 5,000. See, the church is expanding. I mean, it's, this is not long after Acts 2, when we're into Acts 4. And, uh, and see, the church is... That's pretty good growth in a few days. <laughs> okay. The next day, verse 5, the rulers, elders, and teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas the high priest was there, and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and the other men of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we're being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then know this you and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. Pretty hard to spin that when the miracle won't go away. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everybody living in Jerusalem knows that they have done an outstanding miracle, and we cannot deny it. Do you get the the irony that they would even be looking for a way to deny a miracle of God like that? There they are. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn these men to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied... Judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God, for we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them, because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, You made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand, and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And much grace was upon them all. There were no needy, no needy persons among them, for from time to time those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it all at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. And blessed be the word of the Lord. So, that first chunk of scripture there, the first really 22 verses of Acts, um, there's, there's this confrontation that takes place as a result of the healing of the crippled beggar at the gate beautiful that Peter and John performed under the anointing of the Holy Spirit that God had them do. And this, uh, the leaders, the rulers, we've talked about these guys in the past, um, they just didn't want to go God's way. They, they wanted it their way. And so they had tried to quash the whole God thing in Jesus, and here it comes back at him again. So uh, in the afternoon, they see Peter and John, and they have them seized while they're at the temple, and they, they basically toss them in jail overnight um, because they're supposed to have trials there earlier in the day. It was too late, so they put them in jail overnight. And then they call them together. Now, the way that Luke records this, you need to know this is a very high-level group because Luke goes in great detail about recording the leaders that are present, and so it's a, this is a big deal, and, and you need to get the amazing contrast here's two simple fishermen, Peter and John, amongst this group of the most powerful leaders in Israel they're there, and here 's Peter and John. and um, the group begins to question them, and I love it because what Peter sees, you know what, is another opportunity to preach. <laughs> And he starts telling them about Jesus. And what he does is, he starts telling them the good news and he he quotes from Psalm 118. And all the leaders would have known the psalm. When he says about the capstone that they've rejected the capstone. So you need to understand, the importance here is is what Peter says, is that he says, um, Jesus is the only way of salvation and you rejected him. Now, You got to get that they, at some level, they have to catch that, okay? That they have basically, on behalf of Israel, rejected the plan of God, for the entire people, of Israel, by what they did to Jesus, and and yet they still have opportunities, and will get stiff-necked and refuse to move in the right direction, and and so here are these really learned, educated, powerful people and they can't, they can't stand up to the presence of what the God is, what the Lord is doing in two simple fishermen, Peter and John. And, and the big difference there is that Peter and John spend time with Jesus. And see, the, the, the people that follow Jesus under the, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, when God puts them in situations, they know that God will tell them what to say and how to say it and will use you in the process. He does the same thing for you. It's part of the promise. You get put in a situation by God that you need to speak into, guess what happens? He gives you words that you would have never thought of. Maybe you've experienced that already in your life. You've been in situations that suddenly you knew something to say and it was just what needed to be said and you would have never got it otherwise. That's, that's all about being with Jesus. That's, that's, the, that's the deal. And, and, and so that's what happens. These, these, you know, Peter's just, they've gotten bold. And, you know, now they're seeing that people are being healed. Now remember, they had some experience with this because Jesus had sent, Jesus' method was, was training. And, and if you go back and remember the Gospels, Jesus was, was doing ministry and, and his guys were with him watching what was happening and hanging around. And then what did he do? He sent them out to do the same thing, remember? He sent them out, the twelve. And they went out, and guess what? Same thing happened. They came back and reported to Jesus. And then he said, I'm working. So they had been involved in praying for people. They knew what it was like. But, but now, Jesus isn't right there. So they could always go back. And Jesus would say, okay, you did that well, but this is not so much. We need, you know, you need to, this is why this didn't work. You need to do this. He was training them, getting them prepared for this time. Now, you know, he's not on the scene, but the Holy Spirit is there. And they're seeing the same thing happen under the promise of the Spirit. So... Imagine the transformation in two months from, from guys who denied Christ and ran away. Their paradigm was the whole time, when are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? When are you going to make it like David's time? The entire time they were with Jesus, this was a even through the first part of the book of Acts, when they, when they, after the, the, the resurrection, they, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom? Their paradigm is so stuck. And now all of a sudden, because Jesus says, no, it's not for you to know, but it'll happen eventually, and he's ascended into heaven. Think about all of the things they must have experienced in a couple of month period. Everything they'd known for three years changed. All the ministry they'd done, what happens now? And now the Holy Spirit is poured out, and they get bold, and guess what? They start to pray, and they're seeing the same things that happened when Jesus had sent them out. And So they're like, hey, that's, this, is what it's, this is what we're supposed to do. And they're, they're out and, and doing these things, and the Lord has given them uh, words to speak when they have to confront the very people who had crucified Jesus, and Peter puts it right back on them. You've rejected the one who God sent to save you, the only one that God sent to save you. And so they, they don't even know what to say. And then they don't even know how to punish them. i kind of weak, isn't it, Call them in? Yeah, don't do that anymore. <laughs> do you get, that's, what they, that's what they got. The most powerful leaders in Israel haul in Peter and James, two simple fishermen, and all they got is, stop it. And Peter looks at them and goes, no. <laughs> and then they go, uh, we don't even know how to punish you. Okay, well, really, we really mean it. Stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. Yeah, all right. That's what they got. I love that. And Peter and John leave, and they go back. Now here's where, this is. Where, see the new church, new community, it's a very cool thing. Um, off, off they go, and they go and report back to the church. What's happened? Because you know, they were in jail overnight. And Peter and John would have been missed in this group early on. They were like two pretty high-level guys in the church. And they weren't there overnight. And so they come back, and they, they start to tell them what's happened. And I love it because the community just surrounds them. See, I have this picture. The community just surrounds them and takes this burden on with them, and they all begin to pray. And they give it back to God. And say, God, it looks like you're with us, you're for us, and this is what you want us to do, and so we're gonna go. And we're un, under the, the, the direction of your spirit, we're gonna go out just like you told us to. Because remember, what Peter and John are doing, is what Jesus commanded him to in Acts 1.8. You remember that? You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, through the ends of the world. They were just going out and doing what they were told and weren't even sure how the whole process worked yet. And now they they pray for this guy and they see, and and here they go and they're on their way. But I love the fact that they they come and, and the church does this thing that's so amazing and it's what the church is supposed to do. And, and we need to see that. See, the, the church is more than a group of people um, who, who agree at some measure in their beliefs. The church is a family of brothers and sisters who, who experience the reality of Jesus' presence in and through their, their love for one another, which is to be growing all the time. See, that's the church. That's what's supposed to be happening. And, and it, it's evident in what's taking place in the new church, in the, in the first church. Now, some people have never experienced that reality of Christ in the church or outside the church. It just hasn't become that to them. And yet, that's what's supposed to be happening in the church. That as we love God, we learn to love one another with all our messes and, and all the stuff that goes along with it. And, and yet, somehow, as we do, we experience the presence of the Lord in the midst of that process. And that's what's taking shape in this whole thing. And it's really a, a vital part of what it means to be a Christian. That, that's why we're, we're told not to forsake the gathering together. We need this stuff. We need the conflict. We need all the stuff that comes with it because we, we, we learn how to grow in love. And it's how we experience the reality of Christ in our midst. Okay, so Acts four thirty-two and 37, and this was the big point that I, when I was really hot, I said the only one I was going to get to, but I've covered up, so we're good and our clock fell down and broke so but I've got i watching the time that was a very disjointed stream of thoughts wasn't it there's usually a clock back there that I can see I don't even know if you know there's a clock on the wall I always know what time it is the clock is missing so you know you're very fortunate that it's hot so I don't preach for you know four and a half hours why were people falling asleep more than normal Okay, so here's the big thing. In verses 32 through 37, they were in one accord. See, the believers were one in heart and mind. And, and it's the word there that I wanted you to get because the word in the Greek for one accord is homothumidon, which is, which is two words put together. You know, most words are compound words. And it means to rush along in unison. To rush along in unison. And see, to me, it's a, the picture that I get of that is musical. It's, it's like a, a conductor who's, who's, who's putting together all sorts of different sounds and, and chords and things, and, and he's putting them all together, see? And they're all different, but the result is this amazing blend. That when you hear it, you go, ah. And, and see, there's something about what the Spirit of God is doing in the church in this one accord business is that he takes all our differences and, and all our unique personalities and, and, and he, he, he's, he's blending them together to create this music that touches the world. And see, that's what happens in the early church and that's what's supposed to be happening in the church today. It's that same thing. He takes us all and we're all, uh, unique, isn't it nice to know you're unique just like everybody else? And uh nothing? Really? Okay. <laughs> wow, I thought that would have a little more zing. He takes us all and then he, he blends us. And he 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 gets us all so we're 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 working in harmony. And and the, it, it, the the harmonies are amazing. And and see that's what's going on in the early church as we as we watch it develop and in the process in this whole idea. And, and so as his church, he wants us to do that, to, to move along in unison. And, and for us, it's so that we can continue on in the mission he's given us, which is one more. And he's going to blend it all together to make that happen. All right, that's Acts chapter 4. If you're watching on the internet, um, thank you for watching. Or if you're watching the video somewhere, thank you for watching. We're glad that you were with us. If you have any questions and anything, you can give us a call or email us. We're going to shut it down here. And... Uh, And we're going to call it a night. So thanks for watching. Pass up your prayer request to me and I will pray for you before.